Listen to Melanated Mom's podcast because she has something to say. Oh, yeah. I'm a melanated mom working hard as can be. I show up for my children while showing up for me. I'm a melanated, melanated, melanated mom. Hey, mamas. How's it going? I feel like I have not been here in a while. I know that I haven't released an episode in the last two weeks, but it feels like I have not done an introduction in way longer than two weeks. Let me tell y'all what time it is. It's late in the midnight hour. And by late in the midnight hour, I mean it's 9 p.m. I'm exhausted and I'm always waiting until my exhaustion takes over before I record the intro to the podcast, like every single week without fail. So something about me must like it, you know, because I keep coming back for more punishment. Um, So I am not going to be here long because, you know, got to get ready for that virtual school life, y'all. So today I am so excited to introduce you guys to this guest. So this guest is by way of a sister friend that I met on IG. IG is where it goes down. She does a podcast called The Crossroads Podcast. Her name is Rashida Green, and she talks about social injustice. And I love this podcast. Like, she is brilliant. I love listening to her. She has so much good stuff going on. So I encourage you to go over and listen to The Crossroads Podcast. I'm not even going to do a... um read one of my podcast reviews today. I'm just going to tell you to go over and listen to her. She has some amazing things going on. But anyway, to get to my guest today, she introduced me to this lady and her name is Seema Thomas. Such a sweet lady. She works at the University of DC and she works around sustainability. Sustainability, that's such a hard word for me to say. But reducing our carbon footprint and just going green. So today she is going to give us tips on going green with our families. We talked a little bit about this on the podcast as well. Um, So you know how we get locked out of all kind of ideas and all kind of things and all kind of movements. And when I say we, I'm talking about black people. Okay. So guess who been going green forever and ever before going green was popular or guess who been making a dollar out of 15 cent before that was popular us we've been doing this so it's kind of like it's a new concept to go green or to reduce your carbon footprint but we did it not out of like almost a faddish thing we did it because we didn't have no other choice y'all we had to repurpose stuff we had to reuse stuff you've been getting clothes hand down from your mama's kid your mama's uh, friends, kids, and all the other people, your auntie and them getting hand-me-downs for years and years and years. Okay. So we've been reducing the carbon footprint It's not new under the sun, but I would really like us to concentrate on it a little bit more to make this planet all that we can have it be for our kids when we leave here and generations after that, so that they can live a life on a planet that still will be able to give them all the things that we had. And hopefully we could turn it around and they can give, it can give them even more, right? So I'm excited for you to hear this interview. I really enjoyed talking with her and I think that you will enjoy it as well. Last thing before I go off into Never Never Land to get ready for that virtual school life. Um, 
is, did you rate or review the podcast yet? I tell you this every week, so I'm pretty sure that you love me enough to have done this, right? So if you have not, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and share the podcast with a friend. Like help another friend get their sustainability in order with their kids. Help them to teach their kids to take care of the planet. And with that, I'm going to talk to you guys later. Have a very joy-filled week. Access all your joy and take care. Hey, mamas. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Melanated Mom Podcast, where we raise creative, innovative, and independent thinkers. But in the process, we make sure not to forget about ourselves. We always keep our dreams and visions at the forefront. And today, I am welcoming a very special guest. You guys know I always have the best guests, okay? So today, I'm welcoming Seema Thomas. And Seema is an adjunct professor of urban sustainability at UDC. She is also an urban development consultant. She's committed to making urban areas for all through policy and public planning. And I would like to welcome Seema today to talk to us about how to go green, easy ways to go greens for our family. And Seema, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, Seema is a friend of a podcasting friend of mine. So she hooked us up and I'm always down for the hookup. I'm so happy to be in the space where I'm able to meet so many amazing people because otherwise, you know, how will we link up? This is the thing I love about social media. So, um, so Seema, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I, so my, I am actually the granddaughter of farming families and, but I have spent my time East coaster living mostly in the DC area, but up and down the East coast from Boston, New York city, Philly. And I studied urban planning because I love thinking about cities, how to make cities better for everyone, but also the policy side as well. And for me, it's been able to pull together these different ideas of how can we make communities better for everyone. And part of that, and what I talk about quite a bit at the University of the District of Columbia, UDC, about being green and being sustainable in an urban context. And it's an exciting time to think about it because it's on the minds of many people. And it's such a new concept in our communities. Um, you and I had this conversation before about how a lot of the ideas were ours, but <laughs> they put such a new spin on the ideas that it makes us seem like we're a little bit on the outskirts of this conversation or the outskirts of making these things happen. So I'm happy to have you on and just talk about some simple ways that we can start to think green or even the things that we may be doing already now that we don't even know is like living a green life. So mm -hmm. um, getting our kids involved and doing the green thing, like, like what can you tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. So let's take um, a step back I, on your point that you were making about how communities were already green, especially communities of color. So I go back even to Native Americans. If you think about it way back in the day, they had this seventh generation idea where with whatever that they did, whatever decisions they were making, they were always thinking, how is this going to affect the folks, the kids, the, the families, seven generations down the line? And that, I mean, that is a core Native American belief in the U.S. Maybe it started with one group. Um, the Iraqwa, I believe, tribe, but it spread beyond that. And for your point, like if you look at families, families in the South, families on the East Coast and urban areas, 
especially if you didn't have a lot, you knew how to stretch a dollar and you knew how to stretch everything you had. And that's a basic principle of sustainability, using it till the very end, reusing, reusing, until you actually maybe have to discard it. And even when you get to that point, maybe you're going to recycle it, is what I like to believe about sustainable living, the key part. I think one thing that many people don't realize that is very sustainable is using public transportation, Mm. using the bus, taking the train. Back in the day, especially when a lot of people rode bicycles to get around, those are very easy ways to be sustainable. Now, I'm a person I grew up in the 90s, and having a car was kind of the end-all, be-all, and especially a nice car at that. And so we've moved away (laughs) from some of those things. But that's a very basic way. And I think even with that carpool, it's a very sustainable approach. If you're going to take the car, then having more people in it is one way to be green. There's a big push now, as you probably have seen in cities, and I'm curious to know how it is in the West Coast, where you have bike lanes, and they've made specific spaces for people. It's unfortunate that those ideas weren't there many prior to gentrification and renewal of the cities of having bike lanes and people in other communities were using bicycles. It was more prevalent, but it's here now, so it's an opportunity. And in some cities, they are pioneering some interesting stuff. One of my students told me how, I believe it's in Kansas City, at the time, all public transit was free. That's an easy way to be green. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is it's so convenient. Right. And what about the challenge now that we're going forward with this whole COVID-19 thing? Like, I wonder how that's going to affect us. Um, My sister-in-law takes the train to work every day. And she said that she's just not interested in taking the train anymore after all this has gone on. So I'm wondering how that's going to affect us. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I think cities are still trying to figure it out. I think they're trying different sanitizing techniques. They're thinking about how to space out people and working with the employers to figure out how to shift people so they're not crowding trains and they can have that safe space of six feet or more, or something close to it. It's going to be a process to figure it out, especially until we achieve herd immunity or vaccines out there. But on the flip side, if we can make it through this pandemic, what with my little one, I have a three-year-old, I actually before intentionally would take her on the train, on the bus, because I thought it was a great place to get exposure to germs. Right. Like, and I say that, like, you have tons of people, you have the flow of people, the volume living in a little Clorox bubble isn't necessarily the way that we're going to build our immunity. Again, like that's something much further down the line. And it's not that trains are implying that they're dirty and things like that. Although I have seen a few rats in the stations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just by the nature of having lots of people around touching, like it's actually good for our immunity in a very practical way to be exposed to those things. It's kind of like having vegetables that haven't been sanitized from the earth, having little specks of dirt and it helps with our gut bacteria. So it's it's very similar ideas of thinking about our environment in our gut. Right. Well, I mean, the idea of still getting out and riding bicycles to things that are close, that's still something that can be done. And the bike lanes are huge here on the West Coast as well. Um, You see a lot of them in the big cities, San Francisco and Oakland, they utilize bike lanes and there are bikes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I really do enjoy that. I enjoy this whole idea of now where they have the scooters that you can just pick up on the side and rent or bikes that you can rent. I mean, it just... It makes it easy to think about doing that because you think about, okay, so if I actually catch the train into the city, then there's still a way for me to get around and I can just hop on one of these bikes if that's what I wanted to do. So that, that, the whole idea of that just like fuels me. I really love to see stuff like that. 
Absolutely. And it's an exciting time with all the, and they call it micro mobility, the scooter, you could think about the skateboard, even rollerblade, with all these different ways to get around that are more eco-friendly and cheaper on the wallet too. Right, exactly. And like you were saying before, it's not something that is too difficult for you to do because if it's difficult, then precedence is going to be to take your car, right? Because I'm not going to make things more difficult for myself. Or if you have to take a bike, I know a lot of people will take their own bike, but then you have to attach it to the front of a bus. I mean, maybe some people won't want to go through that. I could see myself not wanting to go through that. Mm -hmm. So you think, uh, do I really want to go down that route? So it has to be something that is going to be easy for us as well for us to keep up with it. Absolutely. And I think like, especially for moms, when you're talking to your kids, talk about options, find out what, what excites your kid. Because so, I mean, I see with my daughter before she was in love with the tricycle. Now she's into the scooter and it just, it varies for kids. But as long as they're moving in a greener direction, we're all for it. Right. Right. And just the idea of taking them on a train, not only to expose them to the germs that they need to build up their immune system, but also introducing it as a way of life, right? Um, I love to take my kids on the train and kids love going on the train. They love, my kids have been asking me to catch the bus for years and we never did it. I mean, the bus stops right there. We catch it to the mall just for the exposure. And it's, it's really a simple thing that you can do with them. And it's something that they will really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think you get better at taking public transportation the more you do it in all the cities mm-hmm. you go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you grow abroad, what I find amazing is you may not know the language, but it's amazing. Once you figured out a few city maps, you're able to figure out the other cities too. And public transportation is one of those things that has gone by the wayside because when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I caught the bus everywhere. I mean, we just, the bus was the thing. Mm-hmm. And um, recently I was working in a program where um, there were low functioning students and they were learning how to use public transportation for themselves to get around. And I thought about how horrible I am at catching the bus. Like they knew how to catch the bus better than I did. They knew what lines to get on. I mean, it's just the whole thing, right? The maps and the figuring it out. And I'm like, yeah, it's just good for, <laughs> it's good for the brain too. You know? <laughs> like, what am I going now? It's just good yeah. to keep you thinking. So um, I, I love the idea of just just try, just trying it with the kids. I mean, something new for them. And they, they really enjoy us doing that kind of stuff with them anyway. It's an adventure. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I would say like for moms, like download the apps. I mean, they've made it so convenient to find out when the next bus is, to time it all so perfectly. And if you have to do a transfer, when you need to leave. I mean, it's even easier than back in the day with the sort of the paper-based calendars, right? Uh, schedules. You can just you check on your app and you know where to go and which lines and where. It's, they've made it seamless on yeah, that might be something we get into like further down the line after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. On the transportation front. Uh, that is right. <laughs> so what are the some of the other things that you would consider an easy way for families to go green? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one idea that I it's and actually in the US we used to do this when you think back into the nineteen forties and things like that, growing our own food. And it it sounds really I mean and I do not have a green thumb. I'm saying this, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, my father does. He's uh, my mom. She studied plants and things like that. But that is not necessarily my specialty. But at UDC, which is actually my dad's alma mater, they are the only urban land grant school, and they have all this programming around urban ag, and it has just opened my eyes. You can take scraps from your food. This is after you've eaten and regrow onions and all these other um, scallions, all these things. 
in little pots around your house. And you don't even have to go buy a pot. You can take the old can, drill maybe a couple holes at the bottom and repurpose it. And you can have this flourishing urban garden at your home. And a lot of people think of a garden, but you could um, make it an edible, uh, edible landscape as well. Thinking what I see at UDC that's amazing, that lines one of the buildings, they have these big bundles of beautiful kale. I never, and it's kind of this purple, colorful kale. And I was like, oh, well, that is an idea. I mean, why have a shrub when you can just have kale that can actually be repurposed for food that can be eaten at some point? And I think that's a very easy way in getting kids involved, getting their hands dirty, where it becomes a practice for the moms that drink tons of coffee. Apparently, coffee grinds can be used to help a little bit with pest management, and you can spread it around. It's not, I mean, it's, it's you have to probably incorporate some other things, but these are easy ways to reuse what anyway, what you're already grinding up and throwing out normally. And I think thinking about gardening and the easy ways to do it is actually very exciting for kids to see from beginning to end how to make this grow. And it's, I don't know if you've heard, but they've had so many phenomenal programs around the city. I don't, they likely have on the West Coast too. In DC, I can speak about UDC's programming and I learned about New York City where they take many different communities and they teach them how to be master gardeners or master composters. And this is in an urban landscape. I mean, when you're living in, I mean, especially in New York City where it feels like a shoebox, if people can actually pull this off. And we benefit from having all these plants inside our home or even on our stoop or on our balcony, whatever that we may have. It improves our air quality as well. It contributes one little bit to it. I just love the idea of just taking what we already have. And I mean, why would we not think that we could take an onion and grow an onion? I mean, mm-hmm. why would you think that you need to start from something else or a seed and grow a, a tree? I mean, mm-hmm. that's how stuff is grown, but we feel like we have to go out to Costco and we have to buy the lemon tree. And it's like, it's not really like that. Like there yeah. are ways that you can do it without doing that. And even like the idea you said, just about doing it in a can, all these ways to, um, for me, it is just like spend time with my family too, mm-hmm. because we're doing things together that are going to interest both of us is we're both learning something new. And just the, the amount of um, time that you pour into your family when you give them opportunities to learn how to do things for themselves like that. Like you don't always have to go to a store and buy something. There's something right here, even if it was just herbs, you know, right here that you could go out and pick right from your balcony and put in your own food. And I know that when my kids go to pick something from a garden, I mean, my mom has a garden. We just did a little planter box here ourselves. We'll see how that goes. We're going to keep our fingers (laughs) crossed. But um, when you can go out there and just taste it out of your own backyard, how excited they Mm -hmm. get about new foods. My kids are not vegetable eaters, but if they can see that they grew it and where it came from and that they get a chance to go out and pick it themselves and taste different things. And I think it does become a little bit more exciting to them. So not only are you like being sustainable, but you're also teaching your kids to try new foods. <laughs> and that's never a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and even that was one of the things that I like doing. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm teaching my daughter how to reframe things that she sees in the world. We grow mint. Mint is a weed for many other people, right? Like it just takes over a garden. This is one of the easiest things to grow. And for me as a mom, it's great that the perfect ingredient for a mojito and many other items right, as well. And it, you almost have to do no work for it, right? It just kind of grows on its own. But it teaches kids also to, to kind of rethink, like when they look at a plant, is it a weed or you know, is a buttercup a weed or can it actually be a beautiful thing? And just 
have a more flexible understanding about the world that we're in and not be so black and white about it. I think the other aspect that I would throw in there about the cans, we also use milk jugs, just anything, um, egg cartons to sprout some of the seeds. This idea of like all the things that we throw away, is there a way that we can actually use this to make something bigger and better and something that's right part of nature and connects us to the green world? And um, as a parent and a kid, like figuring that out together is pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, the whole idea of it being as simple as it is, this is not um, an expensive thing that we have to get, like dive into. Like we don't have to go out and buy all these different products to make it happen. So that in itself would make people want to do it because it's not something that you have to go out and purchase a lot of stuff for. And I know that that becomes a big thing with me. Because first of all, we'll go out and we'll purchase stuff and then we'll never do it. Or we'll do it and then we'll let it die. You know, just speaking, <laughs> speaking like a plant. Like we bought a lemon tree and I don't know, that thing was dead in like three months. We didn't take care of it, you know? So to me, it's like, okay, so if I know that I could just go use the egg carton after I finish all the eggs and I could just put some seeds in there and I could see how that works for me, yeah. I'm more apt to do that. That's mm -hmm. easier for me. It's something that I could do without even leaving my house. To, to go like, oh, I'm going to do this big project with my kids and I got to go buy all this different stuff and go to all these different stores to get the stuff. But just because we have the stuff right here and we can take some of the seeds that we have from something that we have in the refrigerator <laughs> right, and exactly. see where that leads us to, yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. yeah, what egg would carton. be some of, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no. Yeah. And egg cartons are great to sprinkle and uh, to sprinkle and start sprouting. And I think the other conversation that I would encourage, especially for the moms that are listening to this is that having conversations about pesticides and how you treat your plants and that, that way when you go to the grocery store you also know what you're looking for and why and I think it's such a great way to guide children and these new minds into thinking about their foods in a different way well look you know when you're, you're talking to your little ones like this is this might be imperfect but it's organic we haven't applied anything to get it there um, we've been using composted stuff around it I mean to provide its nutrient base and having those kinds of conversations makes our children more informed and going through the process I feel like it sticks better too. Right. And just a more informed adult, because I know that there, those are probably not things that I thought about until I was getting ready to have my kids mm -hmm. about how the pesticides were used, just not really paying attention to what we're putting in our bodies. And, you know, fruits and vegetables are not cheap, especially if you're trying to get the organic kind. So mm -hmm. if I have a chance to like take, part of the cucumber and put it in my own ground and buy it and have it for cheaper than I would have to spend in the store, then yeah, I, I feel like it's worth it. It's yeah. And all you could do is try. Like if you're using just a plate off your food, exactly. if you're just composting, you're not wasting any money, you know? Right. So. Exactly. And um, so what are some of the other things that you would suggest? So I think uh, another big one that I, I like to do, and this is actually something that city governments do call it's called a waste sort. And it, literally means you're going through your waste and you're sorting and you're trying to figure out like categorizing where it goes and the reason why i encourage families and we don't always do this but we've been able to do it now because we're stuck at home and have a little bit more time mm -hmm. but you start realizing how much you waste and if we were charged per pound of how much we waste we would quickly change our habits and i mean chris goes probably ahead of this type of stuff i don't know where it stands right now with their zero waste policy but like as an example for us I realized how many things are wrapped in plastic, like a different, like some type of wrapper. 
And so we started separating that and putting in a separate bag because you can actually donate that at some of our grocery stores here and they'll repurpose this hard to recycle plastic. And it was a lot of it. And then it makes you, it begs the question, well, when I go to the grocery store, why am I buying such packaged stuff? Why don't I just get things in bulk and transfer it to some mason jars the way maybe my grandmother or folks, you know, my ancestors did before rather than using all this packaged, within packaged, like a little Russian doll, right? You just go further and further depending on where you are with the package. But it, I think what's powerful about going through your trash and getting kids to understand what's going on in their waste they're more connected with how much they consume. And then you can take a step back and it's like, well, are there ways that we can consume less? That That's such a good idea. Um, I am like astounded by the amount of packaging. I can't tell you how many times I have gotten a purchase from Amazon and you know, the thing is yay big and there's like <laughs> 20 layers of packaging. I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Did you really need to send me that big box? And and that would be a good way to get kids to look at it. I've even gotten my kids since COVID has started to look at how much food they actually wasted. And mm-hmm. um, we've gotten on a whole new path as far as wasting food because before we were throwing so much food away. And then when you see how scarce the food was in the stores, I'm like, no, you're going to eat all of this on your plate. And then if you don't eat it right now, guess what? When you get hungry again, you're going to come back to it. And yeah. we wouldn't do that. You know, it's like, oh, we're, no, you don't want the rest of it. Okay, you're going to throw it away. It's like, no, 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 no. Like food became precious. And mm-hmm. so I think when things start to become a little bit more precious to us, we realize how much we actually go through and waste. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and food waste is a big issue, even on the commercial side, residential side. There have been some alarming statistics that I've seen, but something like if, if a family takes on four bag grocery bags full of food, they're wasting about one bag or something like that. Some some high number that's alarming. And it's I don't think it's necessarily intentional, right? I think it's right. something goes bad, you don't think about it. But in this under these circumstances, we've been so much more mindful about wasting because it's been hard to get that food. Or you make it a point to freeze it, or you make it a point to eat it because you don't know if you're able to get that particular item later on. Some of the crazy things that we do, um, I can share if it's of interest. Um, yes, please. Parchment paper. So we would use parchment paper when we cook and we make cookies or some things. And it's actually pretty good tracing paper. Oh, so yeah. we clean it off. We clean it off you know, gently. And then we would use it to trace and color and paint and watercolors. And again, normally, maybe before, it would be something maybe I would try to recycle or I would throw out. But here, there was another purpose before finally discarding it. Uh, with some of the cardboard boxes, it depends. Some of them are too sturdy. They're actually really good for making flashcards because they're sturdy without being laminated. Mm-hmm. Um, one that actually cracked up Rashida was, <laughs> bear with me, it's with the floss. If you wash it lightly with <laughs> some toothpaste, you can make like some cereal bracelets and cereal rings. Do you remember those candy bracelets? Yes. <laughs> bracelets. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, why, when you're really thinking about owning all your trash, it comes down to your contact lens, it comes down to the floss. These little suckers, I mean, people don't realize contact lenses are microplastic. You do not want that in your water stream. So you, you really, when you, when you do this waste store with your family, you're getting into the nitty gritty. I mean, when, once you're at that level. <laughs> right, right, right. And I mean, it's a lot to think about. And I just think that it just kind of blows. Pa- I mean, for me, I know I'll just speak for myself. Like it kind of blows right past me at the little things that we can do to save things. Um, and there's so many little things that you just don't think about, you know, I think now more like, again, going back to COVID-19 that we've been home more, 
oh man, we've been using everything, you know, because the kids still want to make projects. They still want to do stuff. So I'm like, oh yeah, I think I got some boxes in the garage. I think we could do this. I think we could do that. Otherwise all that stuff would go in the recycle and it's gone out of here, you know? Mm -hmm. So now we're really like thinking about what we get in the house and how we can save that and use it for something else. So I, I think that as bad as this has been for us, like all the death, I'm just like, floored by how many people have died and I'm sad about it, but I'm also happy about how much more time it has given us to think about what we actually do have and put more value on things and even things like this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So do you want to talk to me a little bit about what you do at UDC with your students? Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. So what we do, I teach this urban sustainability course, and we basically touch on all these different subsectors thinking about sustainability. And it's for those of you that are learning about it, it's more than just thinking about environmentalism. It's thinking about people, it's thinking about equity. And that's what's one of the best things about the sustainability movement. It's bringing together all these elements. It's thinking about the people. It's thinking about I mean, economic opportunity and all, that, like, all of it has to go together for this to work. So we spend a lot of time talking about those three dimensions. We do interesting ideas where, speaking of waste, we did a project where they had to think about how they could reuse, repurpose, and put it back into the system, some idea that was something that was normally typically wasted. And so there have been some fascinating ideas. Well, for one class, this was actually a PhD class, they were looking at dog poop and using that as a source of fuel. And I didn't realize, and it was interesting because it was a new space for me, I don't have a pet, how much dog poop <laughs> is out there? People come every, and I should know this, right? When you, when you see pet smarts, that means there's a commensurate number of, uh, uh, you know, there's that many dogs and animals around. But it was just a great idea of being thinking about ways to, rather than what seems like a wasted opportunity, is actually a great opportunity. And another great idea that came from the students, I had a student who is very much into fashion. And thinking about, I don't know if you know those, remember those red plastic cups people used to uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> drink from, yep. Yep. but repurposing it and thinking about making uh, rain gear from umbrellas to boots and galoshes. And, and I told them to kind of suspend all the technical challenges that might go with it, but what are some really creative ways that we can innovate? And it was just great, like all these different ideas that came out. And one of the students actually, they focused quite a bit on Amazon packaging and thinking about how it could be uh, sustainable or reused in different ways. Uh, some of the other ideas that we talk about in the class, we talk about things like civic engagement, local governance, how to talk to communities about these different types of issues. We talk about agriculture, we talk about water. We talk about, uh, one of my favorite modules to do is about devastated landscapes. So areas that have been just, I mean, <laughs> where one would not want to live, move towards, and how how to think of creative ways of fixing these places, and what are some examples that have done, been done in the past. So a big thing that we talk about, how landfills have been turned and transformed into golf courses, where people spend hundreds, thousands of dollars to play there. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of another um, module that's interesting to share. We, we do uh, some work around energy as well. So thinking about sustainable energy, thinking about all the different types of sources, um, from solar, wind, energy, because that's also another big area that families can go green. It's a little bit more challenging sometimes because there can be a high uh, startup cost, but 
there are still possibilities. And as things become more affordable, there'll be more options going forward. And I'm trying to think of something else that's uh, interesting. I think the other part that we do that's interesting for me, the students present on topics that they're passionate about. So I learn a lot in that. And I have learned, especially because of the school's emphasis on agriculture, I've learned so much about agriculture. To give you a statistic, Tracy, over the past four or five years, UDC has produced 40 tons of food. Wow. That, I mean, just the thought of it and all these um, amazing, I don't want to call them kids, you know, I don't know, young adults. <laughs> it's people of all ages that go to college, but um just the ideas that are going to come out of that and how these people are going to plant themselves in different places and how that's going to take off um, is amazing to me. I never even thought about sustain sustainability classes. I don't know. I don't know anybody who does anything like this. So this is really amazing to me. Um, and I'm excited to see it take off in some of our communities, um, because like we said at the top of the podcast, it's not really a new idea. But it's been made for us to feel like, again, like we're left out of the conversations, like we're left out of what's happening. But I know that if we were introduced to some of these ideas, how easy it would be for us to pick up because we are all about saving money. you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm excited to see some of that stuff just spread like wildfires and people to pick up these ideas. And even like like you said, like the small things, um, just doing one small thing can make such a big difference. And I don't think that people think like that. I know that even in my own life, like I'm doing all or nothing, you know, so you're like, I'm working out seven days a week or I'm eating <laughs> Cheetos, you know? So it's like, you know, we don't think that the small things make a difference, but I think that if we are training our children in these small ways, if these classes are coming up and like people are coming up with these bright ideas and it may just seem like a small idea now, but I think that they really, take off and then we can look towards the future as being more sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what I was going to also add to that, Tracy, I would highly encourage families to read about people like Reverend, uh, I mean, to read about uh, George Washington Carver. I mean, worked with plants, agriculture, really spent a lot of time documenting, putting this stuff together. If you were in the DC area, I'd tell you there's a great portrait of him at the National Portrait Gallery. Um, ben Chavez. There's just many, many people that have been working on the environmental, making this world a better place for our, our communities and to highly encourage families to look into look into these people that sometimes don't get the same glory or the recognition as other people do, but but deserve it just as much. And I think the other thing that I would add in there is just getting kids out into nature, just getting them out there. You know, if you're, especially it's hard if I know between time, but it's so relaxing for the soul to be around green space and to hear birds and to kind of put away the phone and put away the technology and reconnect. And even if it's encouraging a family to adopt, adopt a, a creek, adopt a stream, and there's so many different initiatives around the country to do that, doing their small part. And even, even if it's organizing your church community to do a cleanup somewhere, all of those things contribute to making it a better environment. And, and better for everyone as well. And we all benefit from that. We all benefit from it. And kids actually desire it, even though they don't know that they do. <laughs> and they need it. You know, um, I am pull, it's new 
tooth and nail every day. My daughter will go outside, but every day, tooth and nail, I'm dragging my son outside. <laughs> and once he gets out there, he's fine. You know, right. like he's enjoying it. He enjoys riding a scooter. He enjoys looking at what we planted or flowers along the way or whatever. But it is like killer. And it was never, no one ever had to drag me outside. They had to drag me inside. <laughs> so I think that that our kids have gotten so far away from it. And, you know, it's, it's just a good relaxing thing to do would take you away from all of this other stuff that we think we need to be focused on. So mm -hmm. I agree with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Seema, was there any last things that you would like to leave the audience with before we end this today? I think it's the process of being green, just to your point, it's not this black and white thing. It's very much a gray area. You do what you can when you can as a family is dealing with many challenges ranging from safety, education, health, all these things. You do what you can for your part. And there's no straightforward answer about sustainability. And there's not supposed to be any shaming. It's a process where we're all helping each other one step at a time in this day. And I think that's a, just feels like a very important message, especially during these times. I definitely can't can't agree with you in this less knowing that there is you you can't get it wrong. Like if you're trying to do something, you can't get it wrong by trying by trying to compost or trying to save or trying to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. No one's no one should shame you for that. I'm not going to say no one's going to, but no one should. I want to thank you so much for coming on. We tried to connect another time and it didn't happen, but I'm so happy that Rashida introduced us and I'm glad that we got a chance to chat today. In here. Thank you. It has been so wonderful. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Melanated Mom podcast. Let's stay connected. Read my blogs over at melanatedmom.com. Stay connected with me on Facebook at melanated-mom, on IG at melanatedmompodcast.com, and my new Twitter account at Melanated Mom One. Talk to you soon.